Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Okay, let's get started here. Firstly, we have to give a tremendous thank you to the Shakib family, Jacob and Miriam, always first to help out, and when they do help out, in the most beautiful of ways. Always in the most beautiful ways, the nicest ways, most respectful and organized, wonderful. We're dedicating today's class, Rafuah Shleima, for Dina Bat Jahan. Who? Shishtev Rafuah Shleima. Hopefully she'll feel better. Oh, it's his mother. Okay, Jacob's mother. Shishtev Rafuah Shleima. Our learning today should be a zechut for her, that she feels all better. Bezat Hashem. We're ent- we entered already, actually, the month of Elul. And really, as we enter this month, there's a lot to discuss. We want to do this month properly. We're going to discuss one perspective, perhaps that can help us in terms of our avodah, our service in this month of Elul, our preparation for the Yamim Noraim, the days of awe, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. One perspective that I'd like to share tonight, which is really an idea that my father, Rabbi Mordechai Schiffman, shared with me from my Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Yochanan Zweig Shlita, and I think it's a tremendous perspective, and hopefully it'll impact you as much as it impacted me. To begin, I want to ask you all a question. We have people here, Duach Nasat Orchim, five star without question. You know, there are a few people at the table I could definitely point at. If I would ask you, what is the most important part of Hachnasat Orchim, what would you say? Smile, what do you say? Treating your guests like your family. Anybody else want to add? Yeah, Making them comfortable. What part of Achnasat Orchim? There's a lot of things you do when you have guests. What's the most important part of the mitzvah? Make sure for, they all, for all. For all. Okay, no I'm going to share with you something, which is a huge chidush. A huge chidush I'm going to share with you. Make him feel honored. Okay, we're getting somewhere already. Also good. The Rambam says something over here that if you look at it, simple pshat, very difficult. <laughs> right? Jacob, you just made a beautiful spread. Miriam, beautiful spread. Right? No, not yet. I'm going to show you. Unbelievable thing. Unbelievable. The most important part of according to the Rambam, and it comes from last week's parashah as we're about to see, and at this, I think it changed my perspective on of hosting guests and taking care of them. And I think this will lead us in a certain direction to appreciate this month's avodah as well. So if we open up the Rambam in the Yara Chazaka, in the book of Shoftim, in the halachot that discuss avel, the halachot that discuss mourning, okay, mourning, it doesn't sound like hachnasat orchim, but in the halachot of mourning, he discusses mitzvot say positive commandments between man and his friend. I'm going to read to you the words of the Rambam in the 14th chapter of Elchot Avel. Listen to the Rambam. There is a positive commandment rabbinically to visit the sick and to comfort the mourners and to bring out dead people to take care of the bodies to lead the kala into the wedding now listen to the next words. 
Now, what does that mean? To accompany the guests. To accompany the guests. That's the Rambam's definition of achnasat orchim. Accompanying guests, lavot, is called accompanying. That's what is achnasat orchim. Now listen to the rest of the words of the Rambam. He goes on, to take care of the burials, to hold the, uh, the coffin on the shoulder, to walk in front of it, to give eulogies, to dig. He puts these all together, different mitzvot that are interpersonal, to make the chatan and kala happy, to take care of the seudah of the chatan and kala, these are acts of gemilut chasadim with the body that are without measure. The reward is tremendous. Tremendous reward for these acts of gemilut chasadim. If you're walking, you're walking out like... One of them, right. Now, even though these are rabbinic mitzvot, nonetheless, they're included under the general rule of love your brother, love your neighbor like you love yourself. Because they all have to do with taking care of other people. Why? Anything that you want other people to do for you, do them for your brother in Torah and mitzvot. So that's the idea of Aftal Recha Kamochan and encompasses all of these mitzvot. Okay, that's the first point. He says, What is Achnasat Torchim? Accompanying. Guests. Now listen to the next halacha. That's halacha Aleph in Perak Yudalit. No, halacha Bet. There you go. So you probably have the wrong perspective. Let's continue. Halacha Bet. Now listen to these words. Unbelievable. Schar halvaya mirubah minakol. The reward for accompanying the guest is more significant than the rest of them. Accompanying the guest out is more significant than the rest of these things listed. It's what Avram carved out and dictated forward generations. And it was the way of kindness that he led us in. He would give them food and drink and lead them, accompany them. We know he walked the angels out. Vigdola. Did I skip? No. Now, hosting guests is more significant than greeting the Shekhinah. As he quotes the Pasuk that says, Avram, stop talking to Hashem in order to take care of the guests. And then, And accompanying them out after you've hosted them, is even more significant than entering them into your house, than bringing them into your house. This is the Rambam talking, not me. Amru Chachamim and the Chachamim said, that's what we're going to discuss tonight. The Chachamim said, Kol she'eno milaveh, if you don't accompany your guests out, ke'ilu shofech damim. It's like you murdered them. Unbelievable Rambam. So you learn halacha, now you learn halacha. It's the most important part of Hachnasat Torchim. Not the food you give them, not the drink you give them, not, not the entertainment, not, not the bed they sleep in. No, it's walking them out. And if you don't, says the Rambam, it's as if you murdered them. If you murdered them. It's the Rambam talking. The Rambam, opinion, yeah. The Holy Rambam, of course, is uh, the Rambam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable. 
to you, you didn't appreciate them enough, enough to walk them out. The Rambam goes on to say in Alacha Gimel, I'm not going to read through it now, but he says, based on the same principle, that the Bate Dinim, the courts, used to set up a system. If somebody was traveling from one city to another, they would send uh, guards to walk with them to protect them. And if they wouldn't, then that was Kilu Shafchu Damehem. It was as if they murdered them. That's what it seems like. Now, the Rambam, we have to understand. We have to understand what's going on. Let's stop for a second. To say it's a mitzvah to accompany them out, you're giving them kavod, I understand. You're giving them kavod. But to say it's the most important part of achnasat ochim, right away, everybody's getting excited here. You just gave them a five-star, six-course meal, and you gave them a bed, and you gave them entertainment, and you don't walk them out. The big deal. But the Rambam says... A, it's the most important part of Achnasat Tochim, and if you don't, it's like you murdered them. How do we understand this idea? Imagine What's so important? One second, one second, one second. One second. Hold on, hold on. Savlanut. What's so important about accompanying guests out? Why is that such a big deal? Why is that so important? What's the big deal about that? Because it makes them feel that you, that, that how you appreciate them. Yeah, you know, it also makes them feel you give them a good I, I steak. Really don't, when you don't appreciate out, when somebody walks me out. You don't appreciate it. Yeah, I, I wish we could never leave you, but I, I'm sorry that you're actually going. Kind of like saying, mm-hmm. oh, we should stay longer. It's almost like saying that. Now, what is the source for this Rambam? Where does the Rambam get this from? Hold, hold the questions, guys. Trevor, we're not going to get anywhere. Okay, go ahead. No. It does give me the same feeling of no. Before you say shalom, you are like you're taking few steps back, left, right. Same thing like you know you you showing a gratitude that Kadosh Baruch Hu sent you a guest. Yeah. He actually pers- Good. participate okay. in a mitzvah. You're right. But 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 again, let's use the same illustration. You gave him a five a five star meal, beautiful steak. But it's like too much. You gave him entertainment. Like you gave him a bed to sleep yeah, in that was very comfortable, and you didn't walk him it's out. Like <laughs> that's a very difficult language to understand. Unless, a murderer. For our benefit. Okay. So hold the thoughts. Everybody has a lot to say, but I want to tell you what Marsh Shiva has to say. <laughs> In Parashat Shoftim, last week's parasha. Last week's parasha, we have a very interesting story. Very interesting halacha. It's called Egla Arufa. What is the halacha of Egla, Egla Arufa? Literally, the uh, decapitated uh, calf or heifer, whatever that's called in English. The decapitated calf. What, what is that called? Yeah. So the story goes like this. Here's the story. It's the end of Parashat Shoftim. This past week's parasha. We're still two days away from it, so we can still say it's part of last Shabbat. The story goes like this. You find a dead body close to a Jewish city. Okay? A Jewish dead body close to a Jewish city. So the Sanhedrin, the great Sanhedrin in Yerushalayim, come and measure to make sure which city it's closest to. They determine that it's closest to uh, Haifa. Okay, so it's closest to Haifa. Now what has to happen is the Zkenim, the elders of the city of Haifa, they have to make sure that the following procedure takes place. What do they have to do? So the Psukim tell us. No, they already measured it. Let's say they already measured it. So they take a calf. How do you translate Egla into English? Egla is? Egla. Egla. 
It's not a cow. A young cow is a calf, right? Okay, calf, calf, calf. But it's the same thing, Egla and Egel, same thing? Okay, calf, okay. So they take a calf and they bring it to a barren valley. Now listen to this. There's an element of guilt associated with his death. We don't know who killed him. We don't know who killed him. But a Jew was killed. We don't know who killed him. There's guilt associated with this and we don't know who killed him. So we need to get a kapara. So what's the kapara? Bring a calf to a barren valley where there was no work done, meaning an area that had no, they didn't work the ground, etc., and they would decapitate it. We just had this in Masechet Ta'anit, actually. V'arfu, this language, we spoke about it. Cut it, its head off from the back, decapitate it in that valley. And then the Zikainim would approach, and they, I'm just skipping parts, but then they would wash their hands over that area, and they would say, Yadenu lo shafchu et adam hazeh ve'einenu lo ra'u. Our hands did not spill this blood. It means we did not murder this fellow. Who said that? This came We didn't murder this fellow, and our eyes didn't see. Comes along the Gemara and Sota, and the Psukim say, if they do this, they'll receive a kapara, an atonement. They weren't the ones who killed this guy. Comes along the Gemara and Sota, Dafmen Vav Mudbet. Says the Gemara, what is going on? What are this Kenim saying? Did we ever think for a minute that the rabbis of the city went and were murdering people? What do you mean? Uh, we didn't murder this fellow. Of course you didn't. The great rabbis of uh, Haifa, they're not killing people. What does that even mean? Says the Gemara, unbelievable. No, we never, it's talking about what you were just talking about. Right, right, exactly. So the Gemara says, what does it teach us? Did we ever enter our minds to think that Beitin were murdering people? Of course Beitin is not murdering people. Ella says the Gemara, lo, what they mean to say is, lo belo He didn't come to our hands and we let him leave the city without food. We gave, if we saw him leaving, we gave him food. We made sure to take care in this city, to make sure that there's a service. If people leave the city, we provide them with food. And we didn't see him leaving. And we would have let him go without company. Let him go without being accompanied. So says the Gemara, what are the Zkenim really saying? What they're saying is, we established in this city, when people are leaving town, we want to give them supplies. We would give them food, we'll give them company to walk with them, and therefore what? So let's just speak that out. The Rishonim explain. We gave this guy, if, if we knew he was leaving our city, we gave him food. Now, what would happen if he didn't have food? So the problem is, if he would not have been provided food, he might have become desperate, and he might have tried to steal food from somebody else, and then the other person might have murdered him. So that would be a degree of responsibility. So no, they're saying, we would have given him food. And what's the second point? We provided him with company if we realized that he was leaving the city. We established an organization here to provide company for people that are leaving, and if he would be leaving without us realizing, if we would have realized he's leaving, we have such a service to make sure that he would be taken care of he'd be so now the question becomes what are they saying which implies if they did not if they did not send company with him then the person who didn't send company is responsible for his death what does it have to do they didn't send company fine they didn't send company but ultimately they didn't murder him why is that considered murder now let's make the question a little deeper 
In this case, they found a dead person. He was killed. But the implication, as the Gemara goes on to say, Rabbi Yochanan teaches us, anybody that does not get accompanied, it's as if he doesn't send, they don't send company to a company of fellows leaving town. It's as if they're murdering, which is the implication. But he's not murdered. Meaning, in this story of Egla Rufa, the fellow was murdered. So they need to remove themselves, of, or absolve themselves of responsibility. Now, we, didn't, we didn't leave him without Levaya. We would have sent him with Levaya. Obviously, this is something else, freak accident that happened. We sent Levaya. But the implication is, if we wouldn't send him with Levaya, we would be responsible. Even if he wouldn't be murdered. Why is that considered murder? Why is it Why is it as if they murdered him if they didn't send him out with company? And just to flip the question, why is it when you send company, it prevents the murder? And then on the other side, why is it when you don't send company, it's as if you've been an accomplice to his murder? What, is, what are Chazal teaching us over here? Obviously, that's where the Rambam gets it from. But what are Chazal teaching us with this? What is so significant about sending company What's so significant? They took all great kinds of care of him in the city. And let's say they didn't send company with him to, to, to travel along with him. That's murder? How could that be? How do we understand this idea? Okay. Question. Strong question. Well, should we stop here? No. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. If a person's walking alone to the edge of a city, it's sort of dangerous. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, oh, oh. So the Rambam talks about that too. The Rambam talks about how the Bataidinim used to set up people to accompany them. But the halacha for an ordinary person, we don't have to walk him out all the way. We just have to walk Dalit Amot. The Gemara tells us Dalit Amot. Your Rambam paskins, your Yotze, your mitzvah of levaya, of accompanying him. So when you walk four Amot, you're preventing murder. And if you don't walk four Amot, you're accomplishing murder. It's <laughs> a very difficult thing to understand. Now, one final point before we get to the Pshat. Where do we find the same terminology of levaya? Where do we find the same terminology? What do we call the funeral in Judaism? Levaya. We call it a levaya. The same terminology the Rambam's using for accompanying guests out, he calls achnasat orchim is levayat orchim, really. It's the same terminology we use to refer to accompanying out, right? We could call it kfurat amit, we call it levayat amit. The funeral, we call it a levaya. What are we supposed to learn from that similarity? Obviously, they're both escorting, but it's a focus on the escorting, not on the hespid, not on the eulogy, not on the burial, not on the digging, not on any of those things. What's the significance of the accompanying the, accompanying the dead body? Why is that so important? It's keeping him alive. So Rashiva says like this, a beautiful idea. I didn't hear what you said. Rashiva said a beautiful idea. Listen to this. So before I was born in the 80s, uh, the Rashiva said like this. <laughs> Most of us. Most of us, I guess, yeah, besides a few. He was already 30. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in the 80s, apparently, it's very interesting. Listen to this. In Miami, in the 80s, there was a spree of carjackings. Meaning, I don't know, maybe you remember this. It's a very interesting thing. There were people, obviously criminals, who were able to identify who were tourists in town. Smash and grab. And what they would do is they would kick the guy out of his car, almost like a video game, kick the guy out of his car, steal the car with all of the luggage, etc., and then steal everything. And it was determined they were able to identify who were tourists, which is great for them because then they get all of their suitcases and all kinds of stuff. So the government was trying to figure out exactly how were they able to identify who were tourists. How could they identify them? So first, they thought, what's the obvious identification? How do you, what? 
Well, let's say you can't see the luggage inside. License plate. They saw the license plate because rent-a-cars used to have a different kind of license plate. So if it had a different, a different color or a different kind of license plate, beautiful, they were able to identify it. So they made a rule that this is apparently this is the 80s. The car rentals had to have ordinary, had to have ordinary kinds of license plates, so they were not identifiable. And they still identified them and stole the t- cars of tourists and their, and their luggage. They that's couldn't figure house. it out. They house. couldn't figure it out. How, how, how was it that these criminals were pinpointing the tourists over the locals and able to steal what was going on? Couldn't figure it out. So what do you say? What was the look? What do you say? So Narashiva yeah. says like this, listen to this unbelievable idea. He says like this. There's a, a word, it's called the, the tourist mark. There's a word for it. I'm forgetting the exact language right now. But it's easy when you look. You know, on 41st Street, you could try this. It probably works pretty good. You look, and it's pretty easy to identify the locals from the tourists. Now, it's not so easy. You're a local somewhere. You're confident. You walk with a certain confidence. You know where you're going. You feel good about where you're going. You belong there. When you're not a local there, so you, and it used to be you looked at a map. Now you're looking at ways, and you're like going, yeah, driving yeah, slowly, yeah. stutter stepping along <laughs> the way, and you're making stopping and going and looking at the addresses, etc. And criminals were able to see these are not confident people. Clearly, they're tourists, and they have stuff in their car. And the ones that are driving with the confidence, right? It's like the New Yorkers. You go to New York, you walk on the street in New York. You can tell the New Yorkers walk like they own the city, and the other people they walk to get out of the Ways then get ran over. Miami, I guess it's a little bit different because New Yorkers also own the city, but it's a little bit complicated. But the point is, usually, the locals, there's a certain confidence that they have. There's an air of comfortability. They belong there. And those who are not locals, they're looking at ways. They're trying to figure out from the storefronts and the addresses where they're going. And you can identify based on the confidence or lack of confidence, missing confidence, who's the local and who's not local. So Shiva said, that's why they were able to identify this guy's driving and he's stopping and going and stopping and going, not just follow his car from the airport, but actually, no, you could actually identify that. And they were able, so I don't know what the answer to that is, but drive like you're confident even if you're not. But what does that have to do with us? What it has to do with us is like this. Thank you till you make it. What it has to do with us is as follows. You invite over somebody to your house, right? You give them food. You give them drink. You give them a place to sleep. You give them all kinds of wonderful things. That's a wonderful thing. But how does that make them feel? Does it make them feel confident and empowered? Or perhaps it doesn't. Now let me say why it doesn't, actually. We know there's a concept, people who hate gifts live. Accepting gifts is a very lowering feeling. It makes people not feel good. Not feel good. It's not good. To the degree that Chazal tells us there were certain rabbis who didn't want to eat at other people's houses. Not because they didn't believe in the hechsher of those people, but because they didn't want to accept gifts. And one rabbi, if I remember correctly, it was Rabbi Yochanan, but I have to look it up, he would accept invites to certain dignitaries' houses because what he said was, it's not kavod for me, it's it's a kavod for them to host me. But that was the only reason he was accepting. 
Like we just learned in Kiddushin, by the way. Remember we learned is that really the man has to give the woman the money. But if a woman gives an Adam Chashuv, a significant person who does not accept gifts usually, she's the one who's benefiting. So it's as if she's receiving benefit. Usually, you come to somebody's house, there is a concept that it makes you not feel so good. Because I'm receiving from somebody else, it's a bit of a lowering feeling. I'd rather be on the giving end than the receiving end. Definitely a natural feeling. So after that experience where I've eaten and drank at your house, you took care of me, it might not feel so good. How do you restore the person's dignity, give him confidence so that when he leaves, what do you do then to make a person feel good? How do you show him, no, you belong here, you exist here, you're important to me, I care for you, and you, you, you should walk out with an air of confidence. What you do is you say, I don't want to leave you. I'm going to walk you out. I don't want to leave you. I had such a good time with you because I value you so much. You're so important and important to me. I'm going to walk you out, even though it's beyond my house. I already gave you all these things. And then it actually implies, retroactive, that the entirety of it empowers the guest and is not an act of lowering of the guest. So when you walk him out, the idea of levaya is you're empowering the guest. You're giving him an air of confidence. Now when he leaves the city, he leaves town, he walks with confidence. You empowered him. You showed him you're important. You belong here. You're a local. You're a local here. You belong. He walks with an air of confidence. He doesn't have that mark on him of a tourist who doesn't know where he's going. He's much less likely to be picked off by somebody else. Hold your question. I want to finish the point. Hold your thoughts. I'll get to you in a minute. Don't worry. What Chazal are telling us, what the Rambam's paskining is an unbelievable idea. You know, it's true. You give him food, you give him drink, you give him all kinds of things, that's wonderful. Mm. But that could result in a not good feeling. So, I don't want it. But when you walk him out, you build his confidence, you show that he belongs here, he is important. And then when he walks out, he walks out with the confidence that hopefully will guarantee he doesn't end up getting picked off by the criminals out there. If you don't, so it's very likely he could walk out not feeling so good about himself, walking with less of that confidence, making him a susceptible target to people that have the wrong intentions. And that's why if you don't walk him out, it's as if they were murderers. Now, based on this, the Rambam's telling us, based on the story of Egla Rufa, the most important part of Achnasat Torchim is not necessarily the food you give them, the drink you give them, the place you give them to sleep, but actually walking them out. I don't want to leave you. You're so important to me. You're so special, that builds their confidence. And then all of it becomes a tremendous mitzvah. You leave that out, chas v'shalom, he could walk out not feeling confident, making him a susceptible mark. What do you want to say, Yosef? For me, yeah. walk and fall a mold. I don't think it's such a beautiful Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see it in the Well, it depends how you do it. I say, what I say before, yeah. you treat your guests as your family. Meaning yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You come in, hey, come on, help me out. Take yeah. this, put this. Yeah. You feel like it's part of yeah, the place. Yeah, I agree with you. That's, a diff that's, that's another element good. of it, for sure. Not, for sure. I don't walk anybody You out. should. Okay, so do the mitzvah. You learned a new mitzvah, Yosef. Baruch Hashem. You see, we learned something tonight. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Now, where is this practical? Where can we apply this idea? It's a beautiful idea. Somebody walks into shul, okay? Guest in town. Now, if the first person who goes over to him in shul is to say, get out of my seat, does that make him feel confident? Does that make him feel like he belongs there? feels very bad. And Sha'areza doesn't happen, Baruch Hashem. 
It, Baruch Hashem, it, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't. Even if he said to my seat, that's why, by the way, guys, sit to my seat, let him sit in my seat. It's okay. I don't mind. What should be the first thing a person who walks over to him? Shalom Aleichem, where are you from? Do you need a talit? Do you need a siddur? Do you need a meal? That's what I said. This table is the primary example. Do you need a place for Shabbat? There's a Friday night meal. Do you need help in town? That, that's how it should be because then what's the message you're giving to that guy? Welcome. Welcome, you belong here. You're important. You're a local. You belong here. You're not a random person that we're going to disregard and send you away. Our Shashiva used to say, when he would go to Eretz Yisrael, very often, it would be like, nobody says hello to him. The only one who says hello are the Meshulachim that are asking for money. And I was like, that's the ones who say hello. But unfortunately, that's the reality. As communities grow and there's just more Jews in a community, what ends up happening naturally is there's so many of them. Jews are a dime a dozen. There's just so many of them. You lose focus on what's the importance of a Jew. My father said when he was growing up in South Africa, it wasn't such a large Jewish community. There's a new Jew in town. You went over and said, Shalom Aleichem. It wasn't even a question. That was what you did. As communities, Baruch Hashem, grow, which is a great thing, we do also lose a little bit of that sensitivity, but we shouldn't. The answer is no. Guy walks into shul, he bumps with a new person at the grocery store, what can I do to help you? Can I have you for a meal? Which, Baruch Hashem, exactly the Shakibs are number one in regards to this. Now with this, I want to just con continue on. What is the connection between the month of Av and the month of Elul? This, and then we'll finish off with this idea. We just finished the month of Av, and now we're entering the month of Elul, this month leading up to the Amim Noraim. You see, when it comes to this Teshuvah process, and we know Teshuvah, the important things, Teshuvah, repentance, Tefillah, prayer, Tzedakah, charity, remove evil decrees. See, the problem is like this. Those are all things that you could look at and say, they're all ben adam lamakom, between me and Hashem. Now, if I'm so focused on my avodah between me and Hashem, sometimes I lose a little bit of focus on what I'm supposed to be focused on, ben adam lachavero also. And I could become very, it's not a nice word to use, but we become so self-absorbed. My own tefillah, my own teshuvah, my own avodah, what I'm doing, and I start to forget about the people around me and my responsibilities towards them. In the month of Av, we remember the Khurban, but the underlying reason of the, of the Khurban. What was the underlying reason of the Khurban? Sinat chinam. Jews didn't know how to get along. It's like somebody just told me, I was just speaking to Mr. Stern. No, Mr. Stern. You know, you learn wisdom from old people very often because they've seen it and they know it. He said, is, Israel's not going to be destroyed by the Goyim. That's never how it was. It's the Jews that can't get along with each other. He, he was very upset. He went to Israel recently. And these people are protesting, not to get into politics, but he said, they don't know what they have. They have no idea what they have. Mm -hmm. the, 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 he, he remembers 1956. He went there the first time. They don't know what they have, and they're the infighting amongst Jews. That's what ultimately destroys the Jewish people, destroys the country. It's not the goyim. The goyim, they'll remove a shell when something's already a shell, a destroyed reality. But how does it get destroyed, Jews? By us not getting along. The month of Av is a month when we focus in on the ultimate cause of the Khurban, which was that we couldn't get along properly. Throughout the month of Av and leading into the month of Elul, that's what we're supposed to be focusing on repairing the damage and relationships, looking out for other Jews when they come into town, like Baruch Hashem, people at this table do such a good job of, who are really role models for me, for all of us, in terms of how to take care of others. Not looking at your own comfort, but what can I do for other Jewish people, because that's gmilut chasadim, like the Rambam tells us. That's ben adam lechavero. Once you've perfected that, okay, then we can deal with Elul. 
Elul, then you could start talking about Teshuvat, Vilan, Stakam, Havirin. But first we have to repair the Chorban. That's the first step. That's how we have Av. And then we lead into Elul where we start focusing on our own prayers and Teshuvah and Tzedakah, our own Avodah ben Adam Lamakom between man and Hashem. That's the connection between the months of Av and Elul. Rosh used to say, or Bezwag used to say, and I'll finish off with this, he would give the Shmuz in the beginning, he would give an introductory discussion when it came to Elul, and the first thing he would say is, you want to have an effective Elul leading up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Look in the Beit Midrash that we were in, in the group, for the younger Bachurim that maybe aren't as confident, aren't as comfortable, and go help them out throughout this month. You want to have a successful Elul? Look out for other people that need help. Help those other people, you'll have a successful, you'll have successful Yemei Adin. You'll have successful Days of Judgment. Your Rosh Hashanah will be successful. Yom Kippur will be successful. Obviously, we have to focus on Teshuvat, Filan, Tzedakah. But you want to do that properly, the first step is look for the younger guys. Look for the weaker people, the less confident people, those who don't know as much. Help those people out, you're going to have a tremendously successful Elul. So with this, I'll finish. Be'ezat Hashem. Thank you again, Jacob and Miriam, for hosting. It's a big zechut for us to be here and to continue this series of Shirim in the Home. And Be'ezat Hashem, and the zechut of this, Dina Bat Jaha